Hello, and welcome to this podcast of Sunday Sermons from Concord United Methodist Church. We hope that you'll find this message to be meaningful, insightful, and a refreshing part of your daily walk with God. Please feel free to share this podcast with family, friends, or anyone else who might benefit from it. This podcast is part of the digital ministries of Concord United, and we are grateful that you have chosen to experience worship and God's Word with us. For more information about Concord United and its ministries, please visit our website at concordunited.org. So we have a fun, light topic for you today, right? Easy breezy summer worship. Uh, but I, have, I do have to tell you, we are excited about this summer series called Crazy Stuff Jesus Said. Uh, because what happens sometimes is we hear about Jesus and he sounds so great. And then we, there's some stuff like that passage that you just saw uh, Gail read in the video. Uh, and you hear it and you go, I, I don't know. And, and so for some of us, we just kind of dismiss it. And, and we, we take the tack, the, the famous quote by Mark Twain, it's not the stuff in the Bible I don't understand that troubles me, it's the stuff I do. And we say, Jesus, I'm just not going to worry about that. I can't figure it out. I'm just going to worry about what I do know about you and trying to be as faithful as I can. And if you've done that with any of the crazy sayings of Jesus before, uh, you can do a lot worse. So that's, that, that's not too bad. But we want to dig into some of these because what we believe is that he said these crazy words for a reason. Uh, there was a reason he was so over the top with some of his language. And that if we can get to that in our interpretation as we learn who he was talking to in the first century, we can see how it applies to us today. And we can see in some of his craziest stories that what he's doing is he's teaching us about the crazy depth of God's love. Now to help you with this, we're continuing our Grow Through the Bible reading plan. We have a summer reading plan for you that goes along with this series that will help you uh, journey through and understand in more depth some of Jesus' sayings. Uh, you can pick that up. You can find it at concordunited.org Bible. We also have it printed out in beautiful pastel colors at the inf information center. So you can, can grab a print out there. Now, as, as we see today, when Jesus gave that crazy saying that we're just about to read from scripture. Uh, it came from the Sermon on the Mount, uh, his most famous teaching, at, at least as it's recorded in the Gospel of Matthew. And when, when Jesus is talking, he shares that, that idea uh, that, you know, if your eye causes you to sin, cut it out. If your, uh, you know, hand causes you to sin, cut it off within his teaching uh, about adultery and divorce. Uh, and so it's important as we begin to look at this to, to, to set some, some ground rules. Um, for, first, I, I just want to say uh, that when you hear those words, it's, uh, you know, it, it reminds us that everything Jesus said should be taken seriously. Some of it should be taken literally, okay? We take everything Jesus said seriously. We take some of it literally. And I think you can see uh, that this is not one of those passages to be taken literally. Do you get it? I think you can see. I know. I've waited all week to share that with you. It's been a long week. I've just wanted to say that to you so badly. You know, uh, I also had to tell our band, hey, nobody say give God a hand today, right? <laughs> I know, I know. But uh, so this is not one of those that we take literally, uh, but we do take it seriously. Also, as we talk about adultery and divorce, I want you to know something. Some of the most Jesus-loving, faithful people that I've never, ever known have been through divorce. 
and some people that I care a great deal about, that I highly respect, have gotten involved in relationships they never should have gotten involved in that have had disastrous consequences. And I've seen Jesus not give up on them. And I've seen, seen Jesus see them through. And I've also seen the pain and the hurt that that causes. And I think we can uh, agree that often this passage has been used to talk about things in such a way that has been very judgmental. And I don't think that's at all what it's supposed to get at. I think it's supposed to get at the depth of God's love for us and the way in which Jesus is challenging us to express that depth of love for one another in our closest relationships. So I want to read this to you uh, from Matthew 5, beginning with verse 27. Jesus says, You have heard it said you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to go into hell. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that anyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of unchastity, causes her to commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. All right, let's talk about what Jesus is talking about right here. He is talking to first century Jews. We know he is talking to first century Jews here because you'll notice uh, he only addresses the man when he's talking about uh, divorce. That's because in the Judaism of his day, women couldn't apply for a divorce. They couldn't file for a divorce. In the Roman world, there were some women who had the right to file for divorce. And in another one of the gospels, Jesus addresses them. Uh, and he, he shares basically these same standards with men and women. But when he's talking to a Jude Jewish audience, uh, he just addresses the men because they're the only ones who can get a divorce. Also in Judaism of that day, they hadn't entirely given up polygamy yet. So when he talks about adultery, it, it wasn't entirely frowned upon uh, for a man who was married to be with, with a woman other than his one wife because he might have several. Uh, but for a woman, it was. And of course, this is unjust. It's, it's unfair. It's the, Jesus was working with people where they were at that time in, in their, their culture. And he's telling them this importance. And again, when he's sharing with people of other cultures, of Gentile cultures, he shares as it relates to their culture. I uh, also want you to know when he, when he goes and he talks about uh, that if, if you divorce your wife, uh, you cause her to, to commit adultery, uh, that there, was, there were two kinds of divorce in Judaism that day. One, you gave her a certificate of divorce. This allowed her to get married. In that day, she was economically dependent most times upon remarriage. But if you didn't give her a certificate and you just cast her out, He's saying you're forcing her to commit adultery because she's going to have to find somebody because most likely she's not going to be able to provide for herself. We should also note when he talks, so this is just a little historical background. When he talks about adultery and, and he says, if you've even looked at someone wrong, you've committed adultery. He, he's not talking about simply physical attraction. You know, God, God gave us physical attraction. If you look at somebody, you think they're attractive 
you know, God, God just, just gave, the, gave that to you. Sometimes my, we'll see another woman walking by and my wife will say, do you think she's attractive? And I will tell you, man, I found out the perfect answer for this question. I don't know. What do you think? That's the per- it has never failed me. And, you know, if, if you go and, and you're catching up on Top Gun uh, to see the new movie and you like the volleyball scene, that's fine. I, I'll, I wish I looked like that too. Um, uh, unfortunately, now I go to the beach and people don't look at my muscles, they look at my moles. Um, it's amazing uh, that some incredibly attractive dermatologist hasn't fallen all over herself. Uh, you know, just found me fascinating. Okay, enough about that. <laughs> Let's talk about what Jesus is actually talking about, okay? Um, and why he says this and why, why he says it so harshly. Uh, you know, he, he says, if you've even looked, and, and again, it, do, do we find each other attractive? Yes, that's how God created us. But it's when we go from, oh, that's an attractive person, to, oh, I'd like to intimately be with that person, though I'm married to someone else. And, oh, I'm going to fantasize about that. And, oh, I might just flirt a little bit. Uh, those are the first, that, that's how uh, every instance of adultery starts there. It starts with a thought. And Jesus is saying, when you even go there, you've committed adultery. And in fact, it, it, it actually gets worse when we, we look at our marriage vows. Last week, I was in Blacksburg, Virginia, uh, performing a wedding uh, for a couple that I think very highly of. And as I was going through the vows with them, I knew that I would be talking to you about this today. Uh, and so, it, it was, in essence, the vows and just their audacity and, and how much we pledged to each other really struck me in a stronger manner than usual because I, I knew that then I would, would be coming in and sharing with you about it. And it was a great couple. They were, uh, I, I've known them both since they were in middle school. They began dating in high school. They're now in their mid-20s. They've been together forever. They're, they're, they got married as, as wonderful service. And, you know, I just was amazed that they were able to navigate all those young adult years together. Uh, my wife and I met in college, and she always says to me, wouldn't it have been great if we'd known each other in high school? All the boys at my high school were immature. And I was like, well, there's this thing. Had you known me in high school, I probably would have been one of those immature boys. So maybe God knew what God was doing. Uh, for for us, but as we went through these beautiful vows, it it just like listen, just listen to what we pledge to one another in marriage. It's it, it's phenomenal. Will you love, comfort, honor, and keep in sickness and in health, forsaking all others as long as you both shall live? Love, comfort, honor, and keep in sickness and health, forsaking as long as you both shall live, and then. Uh, that, that's just the declaration of intention. That's not even the vows yet. When, when you get to the vows, uh, we say, for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish. To love and to cherish. Uh, it, when we give the ring, we say, with all I am and with all I have, I honor you. Now, I, I don't struggle too much thinking about other women. But have I always honored my wife? Have, have I, if you went up to her, would you say, has Will done anything this week that made you feel cherished? And she'd probably tell you yes, because she's going to stick up for me. But have I really? If she was honest, what would she say? Are there times when I dishonor her? Are there times when, 
we're in public and uh, I get slightly annoyed and I say something that kind of shows my annoyance in, in front of other people, that's, that's dishonor, right? That's breaking my vows. According to Jesus, that's adultery. Um, if, if breaking the vows in any way, is, is that's, that, that's, that's it, right? Now, are, are there moments uh, when your spouse comes home and they really want to talk to you and they've had a hard day and they just really want to share things with you and you had something else in mind that you were going to do that evening and you kind of with your body language you let them know that uh, you, they're not what's going on with them isn't your number one top priority right then like is that cherishing like, that's failure to cherish right that's what well, that is and are there times when uh, with your spouse or your, someone you're in the closest relationship with, uh, when you all kind of get crossways and they've done something that have, has really hurt your feelings and bruised your ego, but instead of thinking about how you might have done the same thing to them or how you can share honestly how you're feeling with them so you can work through it, how you just kind of hold on to that anger and, and, and kind of take it out on them. Uh, and, and wait for them to, to read your mind and, and come, uh, you know, uh, begging back, back to you. Do, do we, you don't ever do that. That's just the Baptists who do that. Um, right? Um, that's breaking our vows. That's not being faithful. That's not what we pledged to. This is so high, none of us can keep it. And it's made to be that high so that when we can't, we turn to God. The point of Jesus' teaching on adultery isn't that we, you know, breaking the vow, isn't that we should condemn those who've done it. It's that we've all done it, right? That, that, that's his point. And if you do it in a certain way, it has these disastrous external consequences. But we've all taken steps towards that. Because these, these vows are, are so high and it, it just breaks my heart that we have used this passage that was meant to, to, to put us all on the same level playing field in need of grace and we've used it to be judgmental and we've used it to condemn others. Did you know there's a TV show called Cheaters? And it's on every night. And I know it's on every night because I have to flip past it to get to ESPN. And I mean, we've made an industry out of looking and, and somehow pervertedly enjoying watching people at their worst moment uh, when their relationships are being hurt and destroyed. And, and we find that fun. And, and we, we find that funny. Like Jesus, what? Like so, sometimes I, I was just like, why, why don't you just give up on us? Like we're, we're not even close. And that's the whole point. He doesn't. He doesn't give up on us. He's here to, to and he's here to teach us not to give up on one another. And just as the point of his teaching about adultery is to teach us all how much we need grace, the point of Jesus' teaching on divorce isn't that it's never necessary. It's that it should be a last resort. It's that marriage really is important. And when a marriage falls apart, it really has a lot of collateral damage. And there are times when that's necessary. I've known people who have been through divorce who are faithful Christians who said it's the best thing I, I ever did and I get that. There have been times when people have sat in my office and I've said, I think it's your best option. Because if you are in an abusive scenario where your body or your soul is being destroyed by the one who's supposed to honor and cherish you, friends, that's not healthy for you. And if you have kids living in that scenario, 
it's not helpful for them and it's not it's not healthy I do want to say this though if it's not your soul that's being destroyed but just your ego that's being deeply bruised then that's a scenario where I think the words of Jesus would encourage us to do all we can to say is there a way to work this out what we find with kids Kids who grow up in abusive, violent homes have the worst outcomes. If you have a kid in that, you got to get them out of that. But kids who grow up in a home where there is a conflicted marriage, but the parents are cordial and they're trying to find a way to be together and they don't show some of the, the conflict in front of the kids, those kids uh, tend to have better mental health outcomes than if they have to go through a traumatic divorce. There's, there's a lot at stake. And those marriages, sometimes it feels like they can't ever be happy again. Uh, but it's, it's amazing uh, what, what God can do. And I know sometimes when we're in those settings, it's hard to tell the difference between trauma to your soul and bruises to your ego because they both hurt like crazy when you're in the middle of them. And a lot of times a professional counselor can really help walk you through that and figure out what, what am I going through. Um, I also want to say when it comes to, to working on, on marriages, sometimes you get in a setting where there's one person who really wants to work on it and there's another who doesn't. There's another who's done. And there's, there's not much you can do in that setting. Uh, a great mentor of mine once told me, and I've found this to be true, he said, when a couple comes to you and they're having problems, if they say, I can't, we can work with that. Because they just need to learn how. But if one of them says, I won't, there's not much we can do. There, there's not much we can do with, I, I, I won't. Uh, but I, I do want you to know that in our uh, most important relationships, that idea of being faithful for all of us of saying, how can I love? How can I cherish even more each day? How can I ask for God's grace and my spouse's grace when, when I fail to do so? Uh, and, and in those times when there's uh, deep conflict saying, is there a way uh, that we can possibly work, work through this? Uh, I'm blessed uh, by some uh, who found that way. Uh, my own parents found that way. I never knew about it growing up. I couldn't tell you. I grew up as happy a kid as, as I can imagine. I never for a moment worried about the stability of my parents' marriage. I, I heard them often talk how, about how much they loved the other one, while, even while the other one uh, wa wasn't there. I, I don't ever remember seeing them fight. Uh, none, none of that. Uh, and I didn't know until I was a young adult and about to get married myself, uh, they both pulled me aside uh, and both separately, I don't know if they talked about it, but they, they both in their own way said, hey, we just want you to know we, we went through a time when you were a kid where, where we weren't sure if we were going to make it. And, and it, it was, it was kind of touch and go. And, and we, were, we were in a bad situation and we decided to really dig in and we, we found a way. And it's, it's much better now, but there was a time when things were very stressful and we didn't have a lot of resources and a, a lot of support. And it was just very, very tough, but, but we've, we found a way, even though we didn't know at the time if, if we would. And my life is blessed every day but because of that. And my father's actually here with us today. And I asked him, I said, you know, can, can I have your permission to, to share this story? 
And he, he said, yes. And when I told it to him, he said, but I want you to tell them one more thing when you share the story. I want you to tell them that sometimes it's only by through working through the deepest hurts together that we get to the deepest love for one another. Sometimes that's the only way to that deepest love. Now, for some of you, uh, you might be in a relationship where you know that to be true. You've been there. Others, there might be a day when you're going to be there, right? And, and you need to know that before you get there. That, that working through can lead you to the deepest love and the, the greatest joy. It, it's not that we're not supposed to have problems. It's that there's joy and blessing and victory uh, as we walk through those with God. And it's that God has this amazing ability. You know, God didn't just part the Red Sea once. God does that all the time uh, to bring solutions uh, and reconciliation where we're not sure how it's going to happen. I also am very aware there are some of you who you wanted to experience that. And the other person didn't. And they said they, they weren't interested. And that leaves a deep, deep scar. But I want to let you know if that's your reality that you're living right now, that you're still going to experience that. Is that Jesus is going to be the other one to walk through those deep hearts with you. And Jesus is going to lead you directly himself and probably through some wonderful servants that he puts in your life to experience that joy and that peace and that wholeness again. That he, he's going to redeem and he's going to restore because that's what he does. Because that's his job and he's really good at it. Really good. Friends, the reason Jesus says these crazy words is to expose our guilt. But Jesus exposes our guilt not to condemn us. Jesus exposes our guilt in order to expose us to God's grace. That we might not judge one another, but that we might let the fact that we can't all live up to Jesus' standards either cause us to become compassionate, to become empathetic, to become the type of people when we have friends and loved ones who fail, and when they go down the path that God never wanted them to go down, that we're people that they can come to, and rather than being condemned, we can help forgive and restore. And that we're people that when we go down a path uh, that we didn't want to walk down, uh, that we know that God hasn't left us. And we know that God can use even that for our good uh, and for, for God's glory. That, that's, that, that's what God can do. That's, that's what God does. That's, that, that's, that's the good news. We have the chance to celebrate that today as we, we come receive communion. Because every time we come to receive communion, we come with empty hands. We say, Jesus, I don't have anything that makes me worthy. And Jesus says, you're worthy because I love you. Right? You're worthy because I love you. And we receive the bread and we receive the wine. And Jesus says, this, through this, I'm going to give you my spirit. And I'm going to give you the power to love one another. And the interesting thing is, what Jesus, basically the Old Testament has like 600 some commandments. Jesus roughly has three. Uh, he, he gets his greatest two commandments uh, from uh, the Old Testament, love God, uh, love your neighbor as yourself. And then at the end of his life, he says, a new commandment I give you. And he says, love one another as I have loved you. And he says this directly to the disciples who are going to desert him in a couple hours and are going to betray him. And the reason he does this he says, as I have loved you, because when you look for excuses to stop loving one another, I want you to think of all the excuses I had, and I want you to know I didn't, and I want you to know I won't ever. 
And I want you to love one another like that. When you want to judge one another and when you look at somebody and their problems and you think you're so much greater, I want you to look at the way I loved you and the way I actually was greater than you, but I didn't act like that. I became a servant and I want you to become a servant like that. I want you to love one another as I have loved you. I don't know about you. I'm completely incapable of doing that without his help, without his spirit living in me. But I can't think of anything I want to, at the end of my life, I can't take money with me. I can't take any prize or any award or any possession. If I could take one thing at the end of my life, I just want to take that somewhere along the line, I loved a little bit like that. And if you'd like that too, then I'd invite you to pray with me. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, when we look at your great love, we realize how far we are from it and yet how close your love has drawn us to you. We remember how you gathered with your disciples in that upper room, the same people who were about to desert you and betray you, and how for them, you took bread and said, this is my body, and you took wine and said, this is my blood, and you said, every time you do this in remembrance of me, I'll be with you. Lord, we're doing this again today in remembrance of you. Be with us. Let us know your love and your power and your grace, just as they knew back then. Let your love and your power and your grace exude from us just as it did on Pentecost back then uh, because you have encountered us and because we can never be the same. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Concord United Methodist Church. This podcast is a ministry of Concord United and we would love to hear from you. To contact us, please send an email to podcasts at concordunited.org with sermons in the subject line. For more information about Concord United, including worship times, service opportunities, mission efforts, and classes, please visit our website at concordunited.org. We also invite you to download and enjoy our daily devotional podcasts presented by the pastors and members of Concord United. Finally, we would appreciate it if you would leave a rating and a review of this podcast so that others can discover it and benefit from it.